Well, indeed, it was a divine night, was it not? Yes. There are, uh, the birth of Jesus is, is found in, in various details in each of the four Gospels. But Luke, being the physician and the curious person that he is, gives us the most detail on a lot of important events, and this one probably being most certainly the most important event in the history of mankind. So I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Now, I'm not going to preach on all of this, but I am going to read all of this to you so that you can have the, uh, the background and the concept of uh, where we're at, the content. You have to understand something, that uh, Luke, given a lot of detail, also had just given us a lot of detail on the birth of John the Baptist and uh, how he would be the one who would announce the coming of the Lord and uh, the reason for that in a lot of great detail. So we, we pick this up here in the chapter 2 of, of, of uh, Luke. And it says, verse 1, at the, time of, uh, at, the, at the time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was uh, governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had, had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who he was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Can you imagine being there for the birth of our Savior? Can you imagine the intense love and joy that must have filled that area? And the look on Joseph's face and Mary's face, knowing that this child was given to them to be taken care of by the Father God. The birth of Jesus. There is a, a movie out there that's pretty old, and I need to look it up. Basically, it's about the birth of Jesus. And most of it's pretty boring, but the actual birth scene is fantastic. Emotional, because you're in the birthing room if you will, with Mary. She goes through the birth pains and then he comes out of the womb and, and is with any child that is born. It's a special moment, but this is extra special. Both very young man and woman, uh, really a girl and a boy, giving birth essentially by themselves as human beings. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and it's important to understand that Mary was a virgin, and she, uh, this was her firstborn. Jesus was the firstborn. There were others, right? James, his example. It's interesting that people will say, do I really believe in Jesus? How can you get me to believe in Jesus? And I really, maybe we'll talk about this at another sermon, but... If you were to look at old prophecy, a lot of it in, in Isaiah, in fact, that was quoted in our program today, 
Isaiah chapter 7. If Jesus were just a human being, okay, just a man, maybe a very smart man, maybe just a prophet, maybe just a Greek teacher, maybe very charismatic, the group that don't believe for years and generations have tried to prove that it was just a farce what Jesus did. I would say to you, then how do we go back thousands of years, hundreds of years, 700 years in Isaiah, 400 years in Micah, and we go to other places, and we get all these prophecies. Let me ask you all something. Did any of you have any choice over when you would be born? No. Did you have any choice over your skin color? Nope. Did you have any choice over where you would be born? Did you have any choice at all over the name that you would be given? Did you have any choice over the politics at the time and who was in control and who were the kings and the leaders? I could tell you who the president was when I was born, but I had no choice. Do you follow me? There are dozens and dozens and dozens of prophecies that could not have been made up by Jesus. As an example, he was to be in the uh, David's family. He had no control over that. He had no control over that. Okay. He would be born of a virgin. He had no control over that. But it was told to us in prophecy. He was sojourned in Egypt. He would live in Galilee or Nazareth. I was born in Carbondale, Illinois. I had no choice over that. Did you have any choice over where you were born? I didn't know my dad would be working on his master's degree at Southern Illinois University at the time that I was born. No, I'd be a fool to suggest for a moment that I had any control over that from a human perspective, right? Jesus, now, just to get out of his childhood, get out of his birth years, okay, he had no choice over any of that. And some would say, well, okay, but he just happened to fit that. Okay, so Jesus, you know, when he was born, he realized when he was an adult, hey, I, I could be this, this, this Messiah because I was born here and I, I was born under this person. I did this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's just go to his death. Jesus had no choice over how he was going to die, but it was prophesied. Jesus had, did, had no idea, and nor could he plan for them to cast lots while he was on the cross. Think about that. He had no choice that he was going to be pierced at his side by a spear. He hadn't even, didn't even have any choice over the way he was going to die. He didn't say, I'll make sure I'm crucified. At this time, and do these things to me. Oh, and by the way, don't break any of my bones. Folks, come on. 
This is an absolutely fantastic miracle. It's supernatural. It's, super, it's, it's, super, it's a natural birth, but it's super. It's supernatural. God Himself came to earth on this day 2,000 plus years ago to be born as the Messiah to save you and me. You see, God doesn't send anybody to hell. God is saving us from that place. He loves us immensely, so much so that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's that easy. It's so easy a child can comprehend it. Yet we have the smartest of smart people today, and maybe you're one of them sitting there right now and you're a skeptic and you're going, I just don't believe it. Well, the Bible itself tells you the truth. The Bible proves itself. The prophecies that you read in the Bible are not just in the Bible. They're also in some non-canonical texts. Others have been verified. But it's absolutely foolish to even begin to think that anybody could, could concoct their entire life and have it unfold exactly as they anticipated it would so that people would follow him or her. That night in verse 8, the shepherds and the angels, as we heard Hunter beautifully sing and Caleb beautifully play, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Oh my gosh, can you imagine having the radiance of God's glory surround you? Listen, when you get ready to pass from this life to the next, if you're a Christian, the radiance of God's glory will surround you, will comfort you, will bring you into the light. There are no more worries, no more pain, no more tears, nothing but joy and love that you can't possibly imagine in the presence of the Lord. The radiance of Lord's glory may be on you today. And not he did not go to Nakatomi Tower where uh, Bruce Willis is or whatever that tower is on Die Hard, right? He didn't go to Trump Tower. He didn't go to across seas to pick up a bunch of famous people and talk to Elon Musk and all them. No, he went to the lowest of the lows at the time in the social status. Men living day to day, paycheck to paycheck, sheep to sheep. He went to them. He could have gone to the great leaders at the time, but he didn't. Why? Because he wants you and I to know that he's for us. For all of us, including the rich and the wealthy and the strong and the, and the, and the leaders as well. But not just them, because that would have been abused from the very moment this story was written. It's counterintuitive. Everything that's written is, is not the way it would have been written by man back in the day, but rather it's written by the Holy Spirit to correctly look, reflect the character of the God in which we serve, the God in which we love, and more important, the God that loves you. On this day, not just this day, but every day, God loves you. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And listen, they were terrified. Can you imagine? In verse 10 it says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. And I really think that as I'm on my deathbed waiting for that last breath. I really believe, as Stephen the martyr, that God will look at you and say, Scott, don't be afraid. Esther, don't be afraid. 
Betty, don't be afraid. Betty, there's nothing to be afraid of. And the glory of his radiance will surround you, even though you're terrified for a moment. But God will tell you, don't be afraid. And he says to the shepherds, he says, I bring you good news. I bring you good news and great joy to all the people. The Savior. Yes, it says in Scripture, you heard me right. It says the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Again, Jesus had no control over where he was going to be born, humanly speaking. But it was prophesied in the Old Testament. Verse 12, it says, and you will recognize him by this sign. Listen, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. A stinky old manger, probably a cave in a hillside someplace. They had no hotel, no money to stay anywhere. This was the Passover time of year. Great things going on. All the places were booked. There was, the Super Bowl was gone. There was no place to go stay. <laughs> they were outside. In nature. That, in and of itself, is a miracle. How many of you ladies would like to give birth outside, under the moon and stars? No doctor present? No anesthesiologist? There's no shot to be given to nummy from the waist down. Can you imagine how terrified and horrified they were? Even, even as Joseph stood there and watched his wife give birth and he did what he could to handle the baby and to cut the cord and to clean up the blood and all of these things, he probably was thinking, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? What is all of this? But the glory of the Lord shone around them and the peace that can only transcend God's understanding and not ours was upon them. If you're younger, don't negate the fact that God can use you in great ways. Great, great ways. And if you're older, you see in Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and all them, God can use you in great, great ways. It's amazing. God will take you. If he's called you, he'll prepare you. In verse 13, I love this part of the scripture. Now listen to me. Announcing to the shepherds in the fields. They're just doing their job. Probably a chilly evening. Out there wrapped up. Doing their thing. Suddenly an angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven. Praising God and saying. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to those who God, whom God is pleased. I can't imagine being a lowly shepherd and, and sitting there hearing this and not only am I being told the good news and where the Savior is and what the sign is, but God tells me that He's pleased with me. Me? But I haven't made it big in life yet. But I think I have to. No. God says glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The vast armies of God's angels 
sitting there announcing this as the skies open up. I can't even imagine the scene. And these shepherds scared to death and they're being told, I've got good news for you. Not only has the Savior been born, and here's where he's at, but I love you. I'm pleased with you. You see, folks, no matter what your vocation, God's put you there. There is nobody you're working with or around or above or below that's any better or that you're any better than. Everybody's equal in the eyes of God. God does not play favoritism. God said to these lowly shepherds who literally living from penny to penny, I'm pleased with you. I'm so pleased with you. Their humble hearts, their hard work ethic. Sometimes it feels like we can work and work and work for the Lord, work and work and work for our employers and never ever get ahead. God is telling you today, I am pleased with you. I love your effort. I love the fact that you love me. If you take the time to acknowledge me, I love you that much. And how could they resist in verse 16? Excuse me, in verse 15. Like with any of us being told this good news, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That's what I want for us. What's going on at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church? Let's go see. Not because of the preacher, not because of you, but because of what God has done. What God is doing. So in verse 16, it says they hurried. They didn't dilly-dally. They went as fast as they could. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. I can't even imagine the thrill in their eyes and their hearts. Hey, they had been waiting for a Savior all these years. You see, these people were very knowledgeable of, they were very religious people, very knowledgeable of God's Word. Yeah, not just, a, not just the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leaders of the righteous, uh, of the righteous uh, temples and things, but the common day folks, they were very religious people, and they, they knew they were waiting. And the shepherds believed everything that was said, so they immediately went in faith. They went. They didn't say, I wonder if that was. No, the shepherds went. Didn't say some of them went. Said they all went. Said the angels had returned and they hurried and went to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was Jesus. In verse 17, and after seeing them, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. Everyone. And what the angel had said to them about this child. Wouldn't it be a glorious day if all of us had the Courage is to begin to tell everyone about what God has done in our lives without any type of hesitation, without any concern for any kind of feedback or kickback we might get, or the friends we might lose, or the names we might be called. These men, these shepherds, had seen exactly what the angels had told them they would see two teenagers and a baby in a manger. And they got that excited after seeing him. They told everyone, who's him? Jesus. Jesus. Verse 18, I love this about that world then. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. 
amazed. They didn't make fun of them. They didn't go talking behind their back. They received it from these shepherds because they would be the last people on earth that anybody would ever suspected would receive this kind of message. They ran, they verified it, and they told others about him. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Can you imagine the joy it brought her during her tough times? Verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So they round us up, folks. They had this great experience with God. They told others about it. They were rejoiced. Everybody that found out about it was astonished. And then guess what? They went back to work. They went back to their daily routine. They kept pushing. They kept pulling. They kept fighting. But they had this now, this testimony. What a wonderful story. I hope that this Christmas you think upon the greatest present ever given, Jesus. Yes, it's cliche, but Jesus is the reason for the season. I know you know that. But I want you to remember it today on a special day. I appreciate you all coming out, celebrating with me, celebrating with the rest of the family. We love you, Caleb, Hunter. Man, Hunter, you got a beautiful voice. That's a long range there. And I remember when you were a little boy, starting to sing, and well, you really matured. Caleb, you've always been a good piano player, so Caleb's astounding. So continue to pray for Caleb as well, and uh, we'll pray for all of you. I'm going to pray for us now as we, before we uh, sing our last song. Okay, Lord God, we just thank you again for this beautiful day. Thank you for your, the gift of your son, Jesus. May we be like the shepherds and be, share the good news of the glory of your son, Jesus, with others without any resistance, Lord. We just thank you. Help us to live as Christians. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time in our lives. Thank you for choosing us. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray in the congregation says. Amen. Return with me now. If you're able to stand, we'll sing our benediction on page 135. 135.